Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. Aristotle asks us, what is a friend? And this is something that we don't often think too much about. And when we do think about it, we tend to think about it much more in terms of like an individual relation between two people. Is this person really my friend or not? And we don't think about it in the big, broad, universal strokes. If we have to say what being a friend means to somebody who might ask us, like imagine that a child, you're babysitting somebody and they bring up, hey, I don't know what a friend is. This person seems like a friend, but I'm not quite sure. You probably wouldn't put together a list like this, would you? But this is what Aristotle does. Why does he do this? Well, sometimes if we want to understand something that's important in our lives, our moral lives as a whole, we have to look for all the common features. And this is an idealized picture of what it means to be a friend. Not everything that we call friendship necessarily has this. So let's look at each of these, what would you call it, criteria. How to define friendship. So he starts off by talking about goodwill. What is that? That means that you wish well for the other person. You want good things for them. You want them to be well. You want them to do well. You want them to prosper. He'll get a little bit more specific about that in another place. This first one is from Book 8 of the McCain Ethics. So he says, goodwill felt towards each other, reciprocally. That means that if I am actually friends with you, it's not enough that I feel goodwill towards you, you also have to feel goodwill towards me. And he points out that we often feel goodwill towards people who don't necessarily feel it towards us. So, for example, think about sports teams. How many of you like to watch professional or amateur or what would be in between? Semi-pro sports? Okay, so about half the class. Do you like some of the people that you watch? Do you feel good feelings towards them? Or do you, you don't care at all? It's just about you know whether the team wins or loses. I think most of you actually feel some degree of goodwill towards them. And it might vary depending on the kind of person they are. If they're losing, then you might quit feeling goodwill towards them, right? Because the sports teams, we want people to do well. If they're the underdog and they succeed, you might feel a massive amount of goodwill towards them. If you know that they're involved with good activities outside of the, the arena, then you might feel more goodwill towards them. If you find out that they are doing bad things, you know, once they get out of the locker room, then that goodwill <laughs> might, might disappear. But does that athlete feel goodwill towards you? No? What if you write them a fan letter? No? That's not enough? Why not? Why doesn't that, yeah? Yeah, you're exactly right. You can have a fan club, right? Because people are famous enough that they're getting tons and tons of letters, emails, gifts from other people. They can't possibly reciprocate to everybody else. And you're just sort of one drop in an entire ocean of people. You can think about this for musical performers too, right? Or actors and actresses, famous professors. I could write to Peter Singer, who else might be of that stature that people might know. Well, there's a guy who writes for the New York Times, Simon Critchley, who's not quite of the same stature. I could write to them. Odds are, are they ever going to write back? Probably not. Are we going to hang out on the weekend and talk philosophy? We have philosophy in common. Probably not, right? Because they have a lot of other things to do. 
The goodwill has to be reciprocal. Sometimes you have people who like you, but you don't like them back. You're not friends, according to Aristotle. They have goodwill towards you, but that's not enough to make a friend. There has to be that felt towards each other reciprocity. Friends have to be aware of their mutual goodwill. They have to actually see themselves as in some sort of relationship with each other, at least on some sort of, not necessarily like explicitly formulating it and saying, ah, we are now friends, but feeling towards each other like that feeling is there. And if that's missing, they're not going to be friends for much longer. There's a cause for this goodwill, some sort of perceived good. And that's why I put this whole chart over here, right? We're going to talk about these three types of goods and these three types of friendship very shortly. So very, very quickly, you can have friendships in terms of who the person really is because they're a good person and you admire them, you like them for their own sake. Some people are pleasant. You enjoy being with them because they give you pleasure. And then there's some friendships, Aristotle says, where you're just getting something out of the person and hopefully they're getting something out of you. And it's not because you really like the person and it's not because they're pleasant. It's because perhaps they open doors for you. I don't mean just you know, open doors like physical doors, figurative doors. They have contacts for you. This is about usefulness. And here's a place where Aristotle is going to differ from, say, Kant. Remember Kant said, never use a person merely as a means. Aristotle would say, well, in certain kinds of friendship, we do use each other as, as means. And that can be, to some degree, okay. But there has to be some sort of perceived good. If you don't see anything in the relationship with the person, you can't be friends with them. They can't be friends with you. He adds a few other things as well. The friend wishes well and promotes by actions the good for the other. There's key, two things that are key here. For the sake of the other. So not just to get something else out of it, like to you know, look like they're a you know, big shot or something like that, but because they actually want something good for the other person. Now this is the full type of friendship. And we would say promotes by action. If you feel nice towards somebody, and they feel nice towards you, but you never do anything, actually, to improve their life, to help them out, to make them happy, and they never do anything towards you in the same respect, are you really friends? You have good feelings towards each other. You like each other. Are you friends if neither one of you ever does anything? What do you think? Does that make sense to, to, to talk that way? Here's one way you might think about this. What is probably the most trivial thing that you could do to show somebody that you like them in some respect? How about liking one of their posts on Facebook? It means something, right? Does it mean anything big when you like somebody's post on Facebook? When you, when you put a post and somebody who you haven't talked to for years suddenly likes it, you feel, oh, we're now real friends. Now, what do you feel? Eh, right? Another, another like added to it. Maybe there's already all three, four people. Who knows how many who like it. If your relationship is just liking each other's Facebook posts, you're really not friends, are you? Facebook calls you friends. There used to actually be another thing before Facebook. What was it called? It was friends something or other. And Facebook kind of took over the idea from that. Kind of smart because it makes you feel like you're connected to people. But are you really connected to people unless you're interacting with them? Now, what if you comment on somebody's post? And you don't comment just by saying, LOL, or that's really stupid, or yes, or something like that. But you actually really comment on their post. And you say, that's a thoughtful remark on your part. I'm so glad you posted it. Are you doing something good by action? Yeah. Is it, is it earth-shaking? 
Is that going to change anybody's life? Well, if it does, they're pretty hard up, aren't they? That's going to be the one thing that tilts their life from the bad balance to the, to the good balance. What are the sort of things that friends actually do for each other? What do you do for your friends? Promoting their well-being by action. All of you have friends. Just go over to their house and hang out. And they like that, right? Yeah. And if you quit doing that, they would, their life wouldn't be as, as full. What else? What, what do you do with your friends? Uh, probably like, play sports outside. So you engage in act- activity, planned activity, or impromptu activity. What else do we do? What do your friends do for you? Yeah, that's a big one. You know, if you learn how to cook, taking classes up at the culinary is a smart thing to do because if you can cook for people, they love that. And, you know, you can just barbecue. It's one of the simplest forms of cooking around. If you buy the meat, too. You know, if you're shelling out for the, the things, if you're giving your friends nice things, that's promoting their well-being by action. Do any of you recommend books, music, movies to each other? Why do you do that? Yeah. Because we have similar interests, and I know if I like it, that most uh, most of you like it, too. Yeah, and you like your friends to be happy, so if you recommend something to them that you think is going to make them happy, then you're doing them a good favor, right? I mean, you don't always have to be building a barn or getting your friend out of jail or pick whatever else you like that's kind of momentous in order to be a good friend. You just have to be doing some sort of action, and and they're very often trivial things, hanging out with people. That is doing something. Listening to people instead of tuning them out and saying, i got to check my phone right now and text somebody else. That's promoting somebody's good by action. Another thing that he talks about, particularly in terms of family members, wishing existence or preservation of the other for the other's sake. And this is kind of an interesting way to think about things. Aristotle defines hatred, the opposite of friendship, as the wish that the other person not even exists, feeling like they have no right to be. With friendship... It's recognizing that this it's a better world that this person is in it. You want them to continue in their being. Being involved with each other. The hanging out thing it has to do with this, you know, mutual activities. You have to be involved with each other. You have to share some time. You have to share some physical space, Aristotle thinks. You have to be in proximity with each other. Not all the time, but at least a good portion of the time. That's why hanging out is actually such an important thing. We see that it's very trivial, don't we? But if you're not willing to spend time sitting next to your friend, even if you're not actually doing anything particularly important, you're not really friends. Now, can we always do this sort of thing? Or is it possible for us to be friends with people that are at a distance? Social media has kind of helped out with that, hasn't it? To overcome distance, you can always email somebody, Skype them, Facebook, you know. I don't know if you guys use Twitter or not, but I suppose you could use Twitter for that as well. LinkedIn, probably not quite so much. That's more of a professional networking thing. That's why they're called contacts, not friends. But doing things together, that's not only how friendship forms, that's how friendship continues, and that's how friendship grows. You get to know people by doing things with them, including eating, right? Sit down and eat with people, you get to know who they are. You start telling stories about themselves. Desiring the same things. If you really want to be friends with somebody, it's not enough just to make each other happy. You actually have to share desires in common. You have to see the same things as valuable. You have to have the same set of priorities. It doesn't mean you have to agree on everything. You know, even if you agree to disagree, that's a kind of agreement, right? You say, I value our friendship. I value being around you more than seeing eye to eye with you on religion or politics or who should win American Idol, or you know, pick, start picking more and more trivial things, which TV show is better. 
that's still having some common desires, the desire to preserve the relationship. And then finally, sharing joys and sorrows. Is this usually how we think of friendship? You guys think of friendship that, that way at your age, you know, in your early 20s. Sharing joys and sorrows. That will become much more important to you as time goes on, as you have many more very important joys and sorrows, because your life, in large part, the things that are valuable in your life are going to give you joy. And when they're taken away, those are going to be sorrows. And when you have friends, and they actually do share in your sorrows, when somebody dies, for example, and they come to console you, or you lose your job, God forbid, I hope none of you ever do lose your job, but you know, it may happen. They come to console you. You guys are probably more attuned to a different kind of loss that you've probably encountered multiple times at this point. What would that be? Not bad grades, but that's a little bit more trivial. What's one thing that could really screw up your life, at least feeling-wise? Break up with somebody or they break up with you, right? And who do you want to hang out with at that point, if you want to hang out with them? Your friends, right? you want to just go to some place where nobody knows you? Or would you rather be with somebody who you can actually talk to about it if you want to talk, or just sit in silence and play Xbox together and feel a little bit better about things? That's sharing and joys and sorrows. These are all components of real friendship, according to Aristotle. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.